Hello everyone! I'm so happy to be back for season two of Chingonas Only Club. And if you are a new listener, welcome. We hope that you like it here. I have great content prepared for you all and all the returning listeners. We have some updates for the show, so please stay tuned after the episode to find out what we have in store for this season. Without further ado, get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. Have you ever heard the term ni de aquí, ni de allá? Well, it's a common term utilized to describe when you don't feel like you're from a place. You're not from here or from there, which is essentially what that phrase translates to. And it brought up a good point when I was thinking about this phrase and, and what it meant and why do we use it so often. And why is it that I heard it my entire life growing up? And so I wanted to make this episode to talk about what happens when people question your identity. As a Mexican-born woman who immigrated to the United States as an undocumented child at the age of seven, I still identify as Mexican, despite having lived in this country my entire life and despite not being a naturalized American citizen. But this was not always the case. My first language was Spanish, the primary language in my household was Spanish, and I learned to read and write in Spanish before I even learned how to speak English. I thought that unless you were born in Mexico and spoke Spanish, you couldn't possibly be as Mexican as I was because I associated specific personality traits with my cultura, my culture. It was how I understood who I was, and as I grew older, I began to experience things like racism and discrimination, all for being Mexican, for not speaking English initially when I first got here, and for not understanding American culture, traditions, and customs the way other natural-born Americans did. Even other Latinos made fun of me for not fully assimilating into American culture during my first few years in this country, and it was kind of heartbreaking. At some point, something shifted in me. And I began to experience shame for my Latinidad. I was slowly becoming embarrassed about speaking Spanish at school, for wearing my hair in trenzas or braids the way I did in Mexico, and for having an accent when I was learning the language. It was all very overwhelming for me as a child. And the only thing I could think of doing was to destroy it all. Not consciously, but I did. Everything that I once attributed to my culture, I chose to bury, hide away, and replace it with whiteness, or what I interpreted as a white culture. I practiced my English by watching English TV, listening to the character's pronunciation of words, and repeating them under my breath relentlessly for years. I asked my mother to cut my hair short, and when I was old enough, I asked her to put highlights in my hair. I was always a pale kid, <laughs> pasty, but I never thought of my whiteness as an attribute before. However, I found that at the very least, I'd had that going for me. And as ridiculous as that sounds, it's the truth. 
I was white passing before I was old enough to understand what white passing even was. And slowly but surely, I shed pieces of myself and assimilated into American life. Assimilation is a funny and complicated thing. We learn in middle school about what it was when discussing topics like American history. Anytime we talk about the Irish, Japanese, and Chinese immigrants in various periods of history, we use words like assimilation as a positive way of stating that these were good and willing immigrants. They wanted to be Americans. They assimilated to American culture. They learned the language of our country in search of the American dream. I ate it all up. And I thought to myself, well, I assimilated too. I'm also a good immigrant. And now that I've assimilated, I can be accepted, right? I was part of a great melting pot, as my history teacher would say. I didn't realize that a melting pot is a group of people who lose their identity until they're all the same. And slowly, I was losing myself. It wasn't until I got older in high school that someone told me I sounded like a white girl when I spoke while we were hanging out with a group of friends, all Latinos. We were all Latinos from different countries and we were all bilingual. This comment should have angered me. It should have felt like a blow somehow and instead I just smiled and they laughed. Later that night, I went back to that moment and thought to myself, I did it. My English is so good, I no longer sound like I was born in Mexico. Like it was some sort of accomplishment. Yulisa Arce wrote a book called You Sound Like a White Girl, The Case for Rejecting Assimilation. And in reading it, I found myself relating to everything that she experienced. In the same way, Yulisa felt pulled by both her Mexican and American heritage, so did I. The disappointment I was left with when I felt that I had assimilated was inexplicable to me. I didn't understand it. Whenever I met with my family for gatherings, I was constantly criticized for chopping off my long brown hair, straightening it out, and for dyeing it blonde. I was criticized for not listening to quote-unquote Mexican music like banda or corridos, and for refusing to speak Spanish unless I absolutely had to. I was very resentful towards my Mexican family for not understanding that I had to fit in. Simultaneously, I questioned why certain behaviors were only reserved for quote-unquote white people. Why couldn't I do my hair the way I liked it and color it blonde? My father's white passing, with green eyes for that matter. Why was it that speaking well meant I was whitewashed? I put a lot of effort into speaking proper English and getting out of the ESL program. That was a huge accomplishment for me. I read countless books to write coherent sentences, and I thought that was not something reserved just for white Americans. It was for me. I felt that I earned it, and it bothered me that my own family didn't feel entitled to the same things. I wondered if Americans looked at me and laughed at my attempts to blend in with them. I thought that this is what we're supposed to do, right, blend in? Well, eventually, I would find that assimilation carries no weight in the immigration process. Unfortunately, nothing except the laws do. And that dream sold to me in history class was as real as a tooth fairy. <laughs> it's only to make you feel good while you give yourself away.
I grew up my entire life assimilating and it wasn't until my 30s that I realized my life was not really fulfilled. I didn't really understand why I had by many accounts achieved the quote-unquote American dream and yet I found myself not really knowing who I was. Even as an active duty member, I was still Mexican. Sometimes I was a Mexican-American, but I was never just American. It was then that I finally understood the phrase, ni de aquí ni de allá, not from here or there. I was never going to be American enough for the real Americans, and I would never be Mexican enough by the real Mexican standards. I had an identity crisis on my hands, and I had no idea what to do with it. So why am I sharing this? Well, because it's really common, and there's always someone who's not Black enough, Asian enough, white enough. It's not just tied to race. Sometimes men and women will never feel like they're man or woman enough. We've been brought up in a society and culture that has unspoken standards and that we somehow feel obliged to meet regardless of how ridiculous they sound. And I'm kind of sick of it. I have three sons. They're half Mexican, a quarter Salvadorian, and a quarter American, if you want to do some math. <laughs> Due to my military service, their entire lives, they've had to move every three to four years. They attended military-based elementary schools. They attended military child care centers. And they grew up around Caucasian people in predominantly white neighborhoods. 95% of the adults in their lives have been white Americans who only speak English. The only Mexican people they grew up with are their father and I. And on any regular workday, we spend about two solid hours with them a day, not including dinner and bath or shower time. Most of their time is spent with English-speaking Caucasian people. And that's just a fact of, you know, working in the American engine, <laughs> always working 10, 12-hour days. It's simply a way of life for us. We have to work to eat. So it is what it is. Friends and family judge me when they realize that my kids didn't speak Spanish. And I was so incredibly ashamed of it for the longest time. And then I realized that all my family and friends who criticize us never really left L.A., They grew up in a predominantly Latino neighborhood with Latino Spanish-speaking school teachers, other Latino classmates, and an entire army of Latino cousins, aunts, and uncles to speak Spanish to them. A privilege I couldn't afford my own children because my job simply didn't allow for that. By some standards, my kids would be referred to as quote-unquote no sabo kids because they don't speak Spanish. They're to be shamed for their inability to understand the culture of their parents. They identify as white. But it wasn't until someone said it to my face that my shame turned into anger. How does someone even belittle a child who isn't even sure how they identify as a person yet? My children are going to have the opportunity to self-identify on their own eventually. They know that their mother is Mexican, that their father is half Mexican and half Salvadorian, and that they can identify as American because they were born here. 
I hope that as they get older and appreciate culture in general, they learn about themselves and embrace their Mexican and Salvadorian heritage. But I'll never shame them for not knowing everything there is to know about being Latino or Mexican or Salvadorian. I don't expect them as boys to be tough men who can fix cars and not cry when they grow up. So why would I expect them to fulfill this? I expect them to self-actualize and develop into kind people without feeling pressure to assimilate to societal norms that do not fit them. Because forcing someone to assimilate hurts. It creates long-term identity crisis issues, depression, and anxiety. And it undermines who we are as people, as humans. There's no one way to be Mexican, to be American, or a man, or a woman. The beauty of our culture and heritage lies in the fact that we are all different. And our culture is beautiful because of it. The fact of the matter is, assimilation is a pipe dream. Regardless of who or what you're assimilating to, the truth is that the only thing you can do well is yourself. And the only acceptance that matters is your own. It took me 30 plus years to figure out this issue and to come to this conclusion. And I'm still finding the girl I buried a long time ago. I'm finally embracing my culture more and reclaiming things that were both taken from me and the things that I chose to forget. Until I do, I'm not going to be whole. And neither will anyone who's living trying to please those people around them. The truth of it all is that we're not from here or there. We're a whole new generation of men and women. And we have to stop trying to assimilate into a mold not created for us. We are chingonas. We make our own rules. And it's about time we start acting like it. So what happens when someone questions your identity? Well, if they question it enough and you allow them to question it enough, then you forget who you are. Because you stop believing in the things that make you whole. So, whatever it is that you identify as, Black, Asian, Mexican, Latina, Hispanic, whatever you want to call yourself, at the end of the day, you can. You don't have to speak Spanish to call yourself a Latina. The fact of the matter is that we fought for a very, very long time to be a part of this country. And there was a period in time where we weren't even allowed to speak Spanish in this country, right? People were beat for speaking Spanish in this country. And then our parents wonder, why is it that we hesitate to speak it so much? Well, while we're not being beat anymore, we're being socially outcast. And while they may think that it's easy to just stick to your guns, it's a lot harder when you're the one that's being shunned by your peers, shunned by your coworkers, treated differently, disrespected, discriminated against. It's really hard. And so I say to you, do what makes you feel best. If you need to guard your mental health, if you need to protect yourself, protect yourself when you are ready to own your Latinidad to own your culture, to own your heritage and have it not be forced upon you, then go ahead and own it. 
but you do have to be ready because you have to be able to understand and accept, fully accept that that is who you are. So I just really wanted to share that with you all. In lieu of Hispanic Heritage Month, I think it's important that we talk about our heritage and how we feel about it. So if you have kids who are like second generation, third generation, and you tease them for not speaking Spanish perfectly, for having accents, for not listening to banda corridos, think about what you're doing to them, okay? This is a real issue. And while you may not see it now, eventually your children are going to become insecure adults because they're not going to understand who they are, right? The fact of the matter is that if we look Mexican and we're not accepted by being Mexican, but we're also not accepted by being American because we don't look American enough because, you know, people's standards are stupid, then that hurts. We have to feel accepted in some point or another. It's a part of human nature. We identify depending on the groups that we belong to. If we don't belong to any groups, then do we? how do we feel our existence? How do we feel accomplished? How do we feel whole? So, yeah. I just wanted to share that with you. So, until next time, adios. I hope you all enjoyed our season two comeback episode. Before you go, I want to share that the Chingonas Only Club blog is up and I will post content weekly in addition to our weekly episodes. So as a bonus, I'm also adding a bi-weekly segment titled 7-Minute Reads where I post mini episodes based on the website blog write-ups. Think of it as a little bonus treat from me to you. If you're interested in being on the show or have a topic you'd like for me to discuss, please shoot me an email using the link posted in the show notes and send me your information so that we can connect. Once again, if you're not already following the Chingonas Only Club social media pages, follow me at Chingonas Only Club on Instagram and TikTok for more content. And lastly, please leave a review for the show and tell your friends about us. Adios.